Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Stephen Shane. He is senior counsel at the Hoban Law Group. We're going to talk to him about what's going on in New Jersey. As I think many people know, in this recent election, the Leafs and Vote, Jersey passed the ballot initiative to legalize adult use of cannabis in the state. And we're going to talk to Steve about really what does that mean? How does that work? Where are we now? You know, unfortunately, it's not that, you know, all these dispensaries popped up the next day and everyone's running around with their cannabis. But so we want to kind of understand really what are the what are the implications of this and what's the process from here for Jersey. And I think this is interesting because, you know, Jersey obviously is access to a lot of big populations in New York, Philadelphia, and the Northeast here. So I think it's going to be a real game changer for the cannabis industry, particularly in the Northeast. And I think it's going to drive a lot of change. So excited to find out, currently, where are we? What does it mean? What's the future going to hold with that? Stephen, welcome to the program. Welcome, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I, you've been on the program before, but for those folks that haven't listened to that episode, let's do a quick background of you and how you got into cannabis and what you focus on in the cannabis industry these days. Sure. Thanks, Bruce. Hi, my name is Steve Shane. I'm senior counsel with the Hoban Law Group. We are 54 attorneys, 17 offices across the globe, and all we do is legalize marijuana and industrial hemp. 
We have a burgeoning psychedelic practice, which became more relevant after last week's election. I chair the marijuana group, the Pennsylvania and Jersey practices, and co-chair the financial services group. I've been a lawyer 31 plus years, and for 25 of those years, primarily focused on litigation, what's called financial services, which means representing banks. About six, five or five or six years ago, I sort of moved my practice into cannabis because cannabis, one of the deficits our industry has is really a lack of banking yeah. and ability to provide funding. So that's part of what we do. I do everything to applications, litigation, regulatory work, draft legislation. We, we do everything. One of the exciting things, one of the terrifying things about cannabis <laughs> hemp and hallucinogens, it's a new area of law. So there's always something new to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's both the scary part, but also the fun part <laughs> being in the cannabis industry. You're never quite sure what's going to happen. So let's talk about kind of what this all means or kind of what, what actually happened. So, you know, various states have, you know, enacted, passed, enacted cannabis use laws. How does this ballot initiative process work? Why, you know, normally, or I guess, you know, what I usually think of laws being developed, you know, by state representatives and being kind of passed and then sent to the governor, signed into law. You know, how is this process different? How does this process work? And, and and how does it relate to how other states have been enacting cannabis laws? Bruce, it all begins in the Mississippi River. That Mississippi River, believe it or not, is a great dividing line in legalized marijuana. States that are to the west of the Mississippi River are organized somewhat differently than states that are the east of the Mississippi River. So the term being bandied about in the historic night we had last week when uh In addition to New Jersey, Arizona, Montana, Mississippi, and South Dakota actually had ballot initiatives. It's not really a referendum. A referendum, which can happen west of the Mississippi, basically says that the public can say yes or no to a law. East of the Mississippi, instead, it was an initiative that allows a constitutional, essentially, amendment that allows the state then in turn to, here's a fancy word lawyers use, promulgate legislation, (laughs) which is passed by the legislature, the elected representatives. And once that comes out, think of it as building a house and the legislation's kind of like framing out the house. Then usually a regulatory agency is created that does the specific work of the house, the electrical, the heating, the water. That is called the regulations that are promulgated by the agency. Now, this is kind of unusual in New Jersey, which frankly is a redundancy because nothing, I repeat, nothing in Jersey can ever be usual. We have to be strange (laughs) and odd and contrary because that's part of the beauty of the Garden State of New Jersey. But what happened, give it historical context, is New Jersey was among the first states on the eastern seaboard to get medical marijuana. And just to define our terms, again, because I'm a lawyer, I have to be annoying, Bruce. Absolutely, go for it. There's two types of marijuana, basically. There's medical and there's adult use. If anybody ever uses the word recreational marijuana in front of you, you have my permission to slap them. There is no (laughs) recreational marijuana. It's adult use. I know some of the statutes even include that word, but it's used against us. The implication is we're giving away bad, bad, bad drugs on playgrounds. Alcohol is not called recreational. It's adult use. But anyway, uh, New Jersey had an uh, early for the Eastern Seaboard medical marijuana program, which was pretty unexciting. It's been around, I think, since 2013. And they said you can only have vertically integrated 
marijuana institutions. So a grower, processor, and dispensary all in one. They first had six ATCs, they're called alternative treatment centers. Then they added six more, bringing us to a staggering 12. <laughs> 12 eight, For a population of how many people? I can't even uh, remember how I many. I would say about 9.2 million people. Yeah. So it, it's very modest thing. And the program was quick, but it wasn't as highly functioning. Phrase it differently. It was underperforming. Yeah. In 19, excuse me, 2018, all this changed when Governor Murphy came into office, who said we will have adult use marijuana within 100 days of my administration. And then he faced a foe of unimaginable terror and power, the New Jersey legislature. What <laughs> happened in, in 2018, he was sort of riding a wave. And it's really unfortunate because Jersey, as we say, screwed the pooch. Yeah. with their program, New Jersey would have been the first on the eastern seaboard to have adult use. And California at that point had, it was an adult use program launched in 2018. The problem, which we'll talk about a bit more, is what's called hosting fees. Medical <laughs> marijuana can only be taxed so much. Adult use can be taxed a great deal more. Yeah. In 2018, when California launched their adult use program, which is you know a complex patchwork of rules and organizations, we were seeing taxes of up to 47% wow. adult use marijuana between both the state tax and the municipal tax, which we'll talk about mm -hmm. called hosting fees. And New Jersey uh, smelled something so intoxicating, so alluring, so provocative, <laughs> it never recovered. It smelled money. So a huge yep. fight, in my opinion, ensued over the hosting fees and the whole thing got derailed, which is unfortunate because Jersey would have been ahead of the pack. You mentioned earlier that the beautiful, beautiful garden state of Jersey is nestled in a glamorous thing called the Mid-Atlantic region, which mm -hmm. takes us from Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, Maryland. Mm -hmm. I guess you could argue Connecticut's New England, too. I guess if they're Patriots fans, they would argue that. Um, <laughs> but but that's where it is. So it could have been the first to market. It wasn't. Yeah. And it, that was a terrible mistake. So the program in New Jersey, just giving a little more background, Governor Murphy said, because the legislature couldn't get along, all right, you bastards, that's not the word the governor used. That's just me. <laughs> that's what he wanted a, to a, say. A little, you know, because in Jersey, we got to add color. Um, said, okay, I'm going to expand the medical program, which he did. Mm -hmm. And he had a round of licensing that took place in uh, 2018. They added the six additional ATCs. And in 2019, they were going to have a great deal more. And he was breaking apart, saying you don't have to be vertically integrated. You could have growers, even small-scale growers, and separate uh, dispensaries. And applications were submitted. But again, we're still in New Jersey, where everything has to get ugly. And yeah. some of the applications were discarded because the PDFs were corrupted and the things couldn't be opened. So the applications were rejected. And those applicants sued. And the applications that were submitted in August of 2018 are still pending. The lawsuit's still pending. I don't know if your listeners heard. There is what's called a pandemic, which shut down the courts. And of course, that lawsuit didn't go anywhere. So literally, hundreds of applicants are still paying rent on facilities they're holding to support their application, knowing full well they have about a 9% chance at best of getting a license. Jeez. So that's yeah. where Jersey finds itself. That's how the table got set. Yeah. 
An end run took place where this ballot initiative, and here's getting to the meat of the meal, what it means. So this Cannabis Regulatory Commission has been created, and that is already in charge of it by the governor. Number two, on January the 1st, I guess actually January the 4th. January the 4th is a Friday, so I guess it could be a Friday, but let's go with January the 4th. The legislature could do a number of things. Number one, they could and are being encouraged to greenlight the existing alternative treatment centers to sell adult-use marijuana. Now, we know that Thinking Outside the Bud has the most sophisticated listenership anywhere in Canada's <laughs> today. Of course, absolutely. But in case a newbie snuck in because of the goodwill, let's talk about the difference between products that are medical and adult yeah. use. There are no differences between the products that are adult use generally. It's the same item. So yeah. if you were to go to a dispensary in Nevada, you take something off the shelf, you get in line, they'd say on the left, medical card holders, on the right, adult use purchasers, same product, just taxed differently. So that's what would happen if this could happen. So theoretically, the legislature could go into emergency session and say, okay, ATCs, Start selling the same stuff, but here's how you do it. I don't think that will happen immediately, but I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna happen no, mm-hmm. uh, at some point sooner as opposed to later. As a result of the pandemic, we've seen massive increase in the sale of medical marijuana. Yeah. I don't have Jersey specific numbers in front of me, but Pennsylvania went from allowing a monthly allotment to triple that amount. Yeah. So, and also you can get certified over the uh, internet too. So that helped on America. So the need is there. So in Jersey, we have lots of pending bills out there. So again, here's what would happen is a bill goes on what's called a committee. The committee blesses it. Then they go to the body of the legislature and say, it was approved by the committee. What do you think? And the most recent piece of legislation to come out of committee, which by the way, the election took place on November 4th. This piece of legislation came out of committee last week. It could have been on the 12th. So that's oh. pr- pretty, uh, um, or say to me, is today the, uh, kind of lost the 12th. It came out of the 4th. It, uh, the election was, it came out of committee earlier this week. So um, uh, on the uh, uh, 10th or 11th. So yeah. it's good. It's called the Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement Assistance and Marketplace Modernization Act. Isn't that catchy? Let's just call it a great one. This rolls off the tongue. So let's just give you the highlights of the act, then we'll talk about the commission. The act tells us that adults 21 and older could purchase and possess an ounce of marijuana or five grams of concentrated cannabis. Uh, Number two, retail stores will be allowed statewide, although local jurisdictions can put the kibosh on them. That means that if you say, well, it's legal in New Jersey, the beautiful resort community of Asbury Park might say, not so fast, although Asbury Park is welcoming this. Number three, (laughs) delivery services are allowed to operate despite local bans. So even if the majestic Asbury Park, situated on the magnificent Atlantic Ocean, says no, well, if you're a delivery service in West Long Branch, you could just go down Oceanside and go into Asbury Park and deliver there. Number three, retailers could allow on-site consumption as long as they have local approval. As your listeners know, consumption lounges are a great era, great issue of contention yeah. when you legalize marijuana. And so we'll see how that happens. 
Interestingly, home cultivation is not allowed under the Act. Again, the existing ATCs, the dispensaries, could sell adult use. And here's the part that's really interesting, is it's a lower tax rate than you might think. There's yeah, I heard about this. A 6.625 state sales tax. Okay. And the municipalities can impose up to 2% hosting tax. Wow. That's wowie, low. Wowie, wow. Because yeah. the last time around when this thing was thing, it was going to be up to a maximum of either 20 or 25%, starting at 7% every five years increasing. That was the bone of contention. Again, remember, this has just got a committee. It's got to get yeah. through the, the general session, which as our remarks here have demonstrated, Jersey ain't exactly warm and fuzzy. With and that. why, so why, why did the committee come out with, with such a, a low tax structure? I mean, what was, was their thinking behind that? What was the logic? Well, Bruce, you know, I've seen the guests you've had, you've had everybody in legalized marijuana, and we all know that everybody in legalized marijuana is a genius, and they all have a crystal ball. I don't, <laughs> so I don't know what the thinking is, but, but the, I don't know, but essentially, I put everything down to FOMA. For me, legalized yeah. marijuana, people want to compare it to alcohol, but I don't think that's the right comp. I think it's gambling. Mm-hmm. So once one area is, seems like they're getting gambling, the powers that be say that, okay, Jersey dollars are going to leave Jersey. We yeah. got to keep Jersey dollars in Jersey because something's going to happen next, perhaps mm-hmm. because Massachusetts and then Vermont and uh, Maine certainly have adult yeah. use programs. That was, I don't know, but the dominoes are falling and yeah. maybe that was the reason. So com- kind of competitive pressure, like they want to they stay kind of top of the market in the, in the region. Right. For some reason, I don't understand this, but people seem to get visions of sugar plums dancing in their head whenever they conceptualize marijuana sales. Yeah. And it's really not that way. If you talk to anybody who's been in the industry for more than three and a half minutes, it's, it's pretty much like alfalfa. It's another commodity. Yeah. It, it sounds cooler at cocktail parties to say you're in cannabis than alfalfa, but it's a commodity. And that's yeah. how it goes. And for reasons you've explored on your podcast, it's taxed differently. There's a lot of issues. So I think perhaps people became more realistic. But yeah. one more time, this law hasn't passed yet. It yeah. just came out of committee. And that's where the problem is. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the issues. Well, the big issue is equity and social justice reform. Um, Very complex issue, one of an evolving understanding. And and I just don't think a lot of people get it, that equality is not equity. Equity is something quite different. And Mm -hmm. there's confusion, certainly in legalized marijuana. And people, some people would advocate we want a level playing field, but that's not the purpose of social equity. The purpose of social equity is to make sure we start on the same starting line of a race. And to do that, certain things have to be changed. And that's what social equity is. So a lot of people feel that a lot of licenses should be given based on different criteria and scored differently that we'll talk about in a second or two. Another issue is tax revenue. The current act as proposed has all the revenue after paying for the program going to fund local police departments. A lot yeah. of people in social equity and uh, social justice would yeah. say, wait a minute, it should be reinvested in the communities affected by the war on drugs. Yeah. Um, as we'll talk about in a second or two, as proposed, the existing structure really gives preference to deep-pocketed businesses to be successful 
and doing applications for Jersey. And I'm already working on ones for this program and I've done every stage of this so far, but there's certain things you have to do to have an infrastructure in place when they finally release the application. And people with more money can set up, rent a property, do what you need to do to set up a business. And that ain't exactly fair to the little guy. The licensing's based on a point system, requires property and local zoning approvals, which people who benefit from the social equity initiative kind of can't do. So that's a big issue. The Cannabis Regulatory Commission is going to be five members, and the chair has already been appointed. It's Diana Wainu, who comes to us from she's current administration officer under the governor. She's a former head of, excuse me, former ACLU New Jersey Policy Council, and mm-hmm. she was in charge of New Jersey United for marijuana reform. And she said that her first goal of all this stuff is going to be social equity and social justice. Now, by way of contrast of the other, I guess now 14 or 15 states that have adult use programs, usually that's seen as boosting local businesses and residency. She's coming out, although certain other areas have, Massachusetts, California have come out, but she's essentially saying that's a a bigger objective for what she wants to do. Now, right now, what would happen is licensees would be granted uh, to grow which is where you grow marijuana. Process, which is a little more complex, you then suck the good things out of the cannabis, and then you take the good things out of the cannabis you sucked out and put them back into other products, which are called infused products. Those things are often called MIPS, but that which goes into like the sweets and savories, if Jersey allows them, that's unclear. Uh, the cookies, the uh, brownies and stuff like that. And also other things like the dermal absorption, like the lotions. Jersey presently allows lozenges and uh, um, lotions, topicals. I would be licensing for laboratory testing facilities, distributors, delivery services, and retailers. So that's good. At least a quarter of these licenses would go to micro businesses capped at 10 employees and they'd have to be residents of Jersey. Uh, 15% would be reserved for minority-owned businesses. Another 15% would go to businesses owned by women and veterans. Applicants would receive priority status for hiring or planning to hire employees from high arrest, crime, or unemployment rates. And 35% of licenses would be conditional, so to speak, to make process successful to more lower income applicants. And last, it creates what's called the Office of Minority Disabled Veterans and uh, uh, Women Cannabis Business Development, which promotes marginalized group inclusion. So this basically says we're going to we're going to allocate licenses, but it doesn't change the playing field for them. Like everyone's still competing on the same playing field when it comes to the market. Here's where it gets cynical, Bruce. (laughs) If you accept the proposition that marijuana is a commodity like alfalfa, Uh it's a commodity. So giving somebody a license but not really making them competitive is doing nobody a great favor. Exactly. Exactly. I said before that marijuana often resembles, at least in terms of the state, the interest in gambling. For me, the licensure often reminds me of these subprime loans that were so popular up until 2008, in which they basically gave money for people to buy properties or to refinance the properties who didn't have the ability to repay it back. Marijuana, the real issue on the production side is a price per pound. And if you set up businesses 
that are in micro businesses, I sort of think you're setting them up to fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's going to cost them more. I mean, they just can't compete with the big players that have, you know, larger operations, more sophisticated capabilities. Right. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but in the prior, shall we say, stalled round of medical applications pending now for 15 months, yeah. they had a different level of grows. And I think one grow, we call it canopy space, but one, I think the lowest, there's a special license for 5,000 uh, square feet of canopy space. Well, how the hell can you compete with somebody yeah, exactly. who has 35,000 square feet? There's just yeah. economies of scale. Yeah. I feel that this is not thoughtful enough. I think they're setting people up for failure, and I'm not happy about it. Now, yeah. I know a lot of people, we both know a lot of people whose ambition was to get a license and flip it, and that that's fine too. But honestly, legalized marijuana has less to do with growing, processing, selling marijuana, and great deal more to do with fundraising. And yeah. so everyone's trying to expand their enterprise. So I question how effective, although this stuff's well-intentioned, extremely well-intentioned by very, very talented people who are trying to accomplish something that's noble, but I sometimes think the infrastructure hasn't been sufficiently developed. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's just a function of how kind of politics and regulation works or what's the... What's the reason that we kind of end up in these situations when we go when we develop these programs in these states? I don't know. I mean, I can't tell. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, you know, they yeah. say there's an old saying: the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, exactly. The the problem is you can say a lot of things, but sometimes if you set more attainable goals, you're doing better. Governor Murphy's initial plan to almost three years ago was that he would have a graduated tax and his initial plan in 2018 for these hosting fees, he actually put into in 2018, he anticipated that, okay, the statute will pass, the regulations will pass, I'll submit applications, they'll be filled out, we'll select licensees. And he, he postulated that he would then have over $60 million in revenue in 2019 on a nascent program. Now, let's say that number's true. New Jersey screwed itself out of $60 million in tax yeah. revenue by doing that, which is a very attainable goal by fighting over something that's bigger. So I think a lot of people propose programs that are, they don't necessarily follow through. And, and again, to be even more cynical, Bruce, remember, these guys get elected and leave offices. A lot of great programs have to have a sponsor, people to fall through, and yeah. people get voted out of office, get older, or further still, to be even more cynical, have to find a reason to be reelected. So they change positions because it's no longer so popular. Yeah, it's kind of the problem with the election cycle. And, you know, no program will last more than four years because it's got, it's got to return within the time frame of their, their tenure. And also one more thing that nobody, nobody, nobody works into this uh, legislation is what if legalized marijuana became federally legal. Yeah. And I've been in this five, six years, and everybody says, gee whiz, it's going to happen. It's around the corner. It's been around the corner for six years for me now. Okay, maybe it will happen. But if legalized marijuana fell off Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substance Act, and let's say it's totally off the schedule, now yeah. it's federally legal or descheduled, how the hell are any of these businesses going to survive? California can cultivate a, yeah. a pound of marijuana outdoors for somewhere, maybe a third, maybe efficiency yeah. set in. If you can ship it state to state, why would you do it? Further still, this is not my area of expertise. It sure is of many of your guests. Why would anybody really buy marijuana that's cultivated indoors when the stuff yeah. is supposedly better in California. California is launching what's called an appellation system, which is, or is talking about, I don't know exactly the status of it, similar to wine. Yeah. And just like when you, there's a reason why people like the sparkly wine from a region 
of France called Champagne because <laughs> it's better. That's yeah. the same reason why people buy that from Sonoma or whatever. So I'm questioning, uh, you know, what's the plan for all this stuff? And people are dug in and pick it 36 months from now, 60 months from now. Whenever it comes off schedule one, unless the state has some sort of protectionist thing that marijuana can't come into. Yeah, tax it differently. But let's go the other way. In the short term, what's going to happen? Well, if this works, and again, that requires something working in Jersey, which is a leap. But if this works, Jersey will have beat Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, to, and at, frankly, D.C., to having a state legal adult use program. So what does that mean? Well, you're going to see a flood of tourism into Jersey. In uh, Philadelphia, you can walk across the Ben Franklin Bridge after a wonderful meal in Old City, Philadelphia, a nice stroll into the beautiful city of Camden, enjoy uh, <laughs> a nice purchase and walk back. I mean, it's yeah. just that simple. Yeah. It, if it happens, if it, if it goes off and it's going to be, we'll see what happens, what's going on. But Jersey could get the jump on everybody else, which would be wonderful. And also Jersey is a resort community. They have a shoreline. So yeah. that, that could help out places that, you know, need to sort of, you know, stoke their economies. Yeah. And what's your guess on how this is going to play out? Do you think that it will, they'll authorize the existing facilities, existing license holders to start selling adult use? Do you think it's going to go to this, the, the recommendations from the committee? If you had to place a bet, where do you think is the likely outcome? No one's ever lost money betting against Jersey. <laughs> so like, I'm sorry you asked it that way. I don't know. I'm very, I'm extremely cynical. People have to work together in a, in a, to get something going. Everything in Jersey's history from its early to market a medical marijuana program that didn't really achieve its potential, in my opinion, to the stalled efforts on the adult use from the derailed thing of the last round of medical doesn't bode well. I just don't understand. I'm not in the room, in the back room when the legislators horse trade. And that's yeah. what it is. Can a, a certain legislature come together? I don't know. Yeah. You know I've, I've, I've actually had a good fortune to be involved with different legislatures. I testified a couple months ago before the legislatures of Utah, believe it or not. And those guys kind of work together. Now, maybe Utah is more homogenous. Maybe it's more rural. Maybe it's not in, in a competitive areas. New Jersey, I don't know. But Jersey legislatures seem like they fight with each other more than than the legislators of Utah. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. You know, listeners here that are in the area, New Jersey residents want to, you know, get involved or, you know, have a say in this process. Like, what are the things they can do? Is this calling your state representatives? Are there town halls on these things? How do we involve the community or how can community kind of help shape this program as we go forward? A lot of of ways. There's a lot of different organizations out there. The Marijuana Policy Project is one of the biggest ones. There's all the different advocacy organizations that have voice and stuff. I've been, I don't have a dog in the race, but I know a lot of people who feel passionately about home growth. They really don't want to buy anything that, that's done by other people. And they yeah. think that if that's a big issue. That well, you know, Why do I need to have something that's grown and processed and taxed? Why can't I just do it myself? Get the same yeah. So there's all kinds of advocacy groups for doing that. What's going to happen is there's going to be, quote unquote, a comment period. Yeah, so yeah. The legi- at some point, a statute will be passed. The I'd like to think that Cannabis uh, Regulatory Commission has already promulgated or working on regulations they have in their back pocket. But even if they did, even they said, you know, we're, we're just going to hold it back until the statute. We know what we want to do. There'll be a 30 day comment period. So that will be announced and you should track all the various websites about what's going on and, and talk to your state assembly person, your state legislature, or the different wonderful advocacy groups. Yeah. See, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. If people want to find out more about you, contact you, ask questions, what's the best way to do that? Steve at Hoban, H-O-B-A-N, 
dot law. Great. I'll make sure that that is in the show notes so people can get that information. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Bruce, always a pleasure. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.